We will get started with Bible study. Just a couple of of quick announcements for you. First, because of the weather yesterday, the work that was going to be done on the Webster lawn was not done. So Chris has rescheduled it for this Wednesday at 4 o'clock. So if you are interested in and available to assist us, Wednesday at 4 o'clock we're going to be over getting the lawn prepped for spring and summer. Some raking, some mowing, it'll be fun. 4 o'clock over there at Webster. Also, I put out a new Zacchaeus uh, dinner sign-up sheet for May. It's back on the coffee bar for those of you who would like uh, to have Christy and me come into your home and and spend some time with you. Uh, That is what the sign-up is for. There are three dates out there. Um, Very much look forward to getting to meet people and spending time in their home. I have to say it's, it's a very powerful thing for me because so often when I'm praying for people, I'm envisioning those who I have been in their home, I'm envisioning you in your homes. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to s- connect people with the home in which they dwell. So, speaking of dwelling, we are going to be talking about growing in the Spirit. Now, just... Again, to set the stage for what we are doing, we're going through the four words, and each of the phrases under the four words, there's a total of 12 phrases. We're going to spend two weeks on each phrase, and we are going to look at the why of the phrase. Why is this important? Why is it something that we should pay attention to? And then in a subsequent week, we're going to look at the how. In other words, how do we How do we implement? How do we put into practice growing in the Word? And I really, really appreciate Jeff's message last week. I listened to it this week. Powerful uh, message on growing in the Word, the why of growing in the Word. So today the message is growing in the Spirit, the why. Why is it important for you and for me to grow in God's Holy Spirit. I loved the illustration that that Steve did with the King's kids about how the battery is absolutely essential to making the light function. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for us as Christians in order to live out the life of Christ. And so we must grow in the Spirit. But as I was sitting here, I was listening to one of of the kids walk back and he was saying, how does it go in here? And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about some very practical hows to growing in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, as, as Steve alluded to, is somewhat unique in the Trinity. I think we can all connect with, as it was designed to be, Jesus. He walked among us. He was a man. He experienced human frailties. He hungered. He thirsted. He went through everything that we go through, except for that he was without sin. So we can relate to Jesus. We can relate to the idea of the Father. We all have fathers. We have relationships with fathers. There's that sense of the originator that we can connect with. But as Steve pointed out in his, his 
lesson with the, the king's kids, the Holy Spirit is unseen. The Holy Spirit as the sec, or the third member of the Trinity is perhaps the one that we most are confused by and struggle with relating to. And yet, the Holy Spirit in our walk with Jesus Christ is probably the most important aspect of living a fruitful spiritual life. And so we, we really need to understand why must we grow in the Spirit? I'm going to give you five different reasons this morning why we must grow in the Spirit. And the very first reason is that as a Christian, you are a spiritual being. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. He was one of the the Sanhedrin. He was one of the 70 who led Israel. He was a very knowledgeable religious man. And yet, Jesus said to him, you must be born again of the Spirit of God. Otherwise, you are dead, i.e. separated from the life of God. No matter how smart you are, Nicodemus, no matter what your position is, Nicodemus, if you are not born again of the Spirit of God, you are severed from, separated from the life of God. And so it's important for you to understand as a Christian that you are a spiritual being who has been born again of the Spirit. That's what it says in in Titus chapter 3. It says we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. We have been made new creations by the Holy Spirit. Once again, you are in relationship with God. The Lord said to Adam and Eve, He said, in the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Well, they did not die physically. Adam lived about 900 more years. But they absolutely died spiritually. They were separated from God, were they not? Cast out from the Garden of Eden. A cherubim guarding the entrance. They were not able to come back in. So they were dead spiritually. And mankind, outside of the life of Christ, from that point forward, has been dead. We all must be born again of the Spirit, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And so you are a spiritual being as a Christian. Once again, connected to the life of God. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as an earnest or a down payment, an assurance of the fact that ultimately we are going to live in God's very presence because God's very presence is living in us. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So stop and think about that for just a moment. Stop and think about the fact that your bodies encase the Holy Spirit of God. He has chosen to dwell in your body and in my body. That's an amazing thought. It absolutely sanctifies us or separates us from the remainder of humanity who has not been born again. 
Because the Holy Spirit dwells only in those creatures who have believed the gospel. But he dwells in us. We are alive spiritually unto God. And the Holy Spirit of God dwells in each and every one of us. So that's one of the whys that we must grow in the Spirit. Because we are spiritual beings. It's necessary for any living being to grow. We are spiritual beings and thus we must grow in the Spirit. Because the Spirit indwells us. The second reason why we must grow in the Spirit is because there is a battle that is ongoing between the Spirit and the flesh. Now, I said that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's true. The Holy Spirit indwells this temple. But this temple, at this point in time, is a temple made of flesh. And flesh that has been indwelt by the sin nature. We were sinners, separated from God, lost in our sin. And He has rejuvenated us by His Holy Spirit. But this flesh has not been resurrected or, in other words, transformed into the body that God ultimately intends for us. So there is a battle that all of us experience who are Christians between the Spirit that is alive again unto God, the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us, and this flesh that is prone to the sin nature. Listen to what Paul says to the Galatians. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Listen to that. I'm going to read it again. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit then you are not under the law. So Paul here is telling the Galatians essentially the same thing that he said to the Romans in Romans chapter 7. There are things that I want to do, but I don't do them because the flesh, the sin nature that is within my body keeps me from doing it. Unless we are led by the Spirit. When we are led by the Spirit and walk with the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So when you are born again, the Spirit comes to indwell you, this conflict initiates. And probably as a young Christian, the flesh is much stronger than the Spirit. The flesh has been fed much more so than the Spirit. But as a Christian as a person who begins a walk in the Spirit, you can feed the Spirit. You can sow to the Spirit. Paul says that in in Galatians 6, 7. He says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whatever 
or excuse me, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So there's this battle that we fight as Christians between the flesh and the Spirit. And we have to ask ourselves the question, who are we feeding? The Spirit or the flesh? Where are we sowing the seeds in our life? To the Spirit or to the flesh? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. As a Christian, you cannot feed the flesh, sow to the flesh, and expect to reap spiritual fruit. It just won't work. There's a battle. And so it's imperative that we grow in the Spirit, that we learn how to feed the Spirit, how to sow to the Spirit, how to communicate with the Spirit, and how to deny the flesh. We're going to be talking about that in great detail next week, so stay tuned. Show up next week because it'll be good stuff. But let's look at what it says the flesh looks like. Verse 19 of Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if your life is dominated by the flesh, Paul asserts that you will not inherit the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom of God. You may show up in church, you may behave in a religious fashion at certain times, but if your life is marked by these kind of behaviors, Paul says, you are not walking in the Spirit. The life of the Spirit that God wants you to exhibit is not being displayed. But Paul says what that life looks like. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the life of the Spirit is one that is characterized by Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the person who is walking in the Spirit, who is growing in the Spirit, that is what their life looks like. That is the fruit that is produced from the things that they do. So the, the life that we possess as Christians comes through the Holy Spirit and we, as we grow in the Holy Spirit, demonstrate more and more of that life. So, we're spiritual beings. And as spiritual beings, we're in a conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. Thirdly, the why for why we must be growing in the Spirit is that Effective ministry is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. Effective ministry is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. It says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So in other words, it's not by the, the human manifestation of, of wisdom 
or political power or domination or organizational skills that ministry ultimately is accomplished in God's economy. But it's by His Spirit. Now, we see this evidenced by Jesus' direction to the disciples. Jesus has risen from the dead on the third day. In the upper room, He breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And as He was preparing to ascend into heaven, the disciples asked Him the question, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? And Jesus said, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's reserved to the Father. But something I will tell you, you must wait in Jerusalem until you be empowered from on high. So Jesus, though he was risen from the dead, and the disciples, though Jesus had breathed upon them the Holy Spirit, told them it was not until the Holy Spirit would come upon them in power and effectively enable them to carry out the ministry that they were to go forward. So for 10 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ, they remained in the upper room praying, seeking the Lord, waiting upon God. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing wind with tongues of fire. And the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit as He came upon them and empowered them. And Jesus said, once that had happened, then you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we cannot be effective in ministry until we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there are so many evidences of this throughout history where the church has tried to go forth in the power of the flesh with armies behind them to accomplish a spiritual work. And it can't be done. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish effective ministry. So what is your ministry? What are the things that you do in the kingdom of God? Have you given that over to the Holy Spirit and invited the Holy Spirit in as you lead a Bible study? As you oversee a ministry as you provide for your family as you witness the gospel in the community whatever the ministry is have you invited the holy spirit in have you experienced acts 1 8 has the holy spirit come upon you and empowered you for ministry there's a lot that happens when the spirit comes upon you and empowers you for ministry. Listen to this. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. So as you are engaged in ministry, and as you have invited the Holy Spirit in and waited upon the Holy Spirit, and he has come upon you, listen to what happens. Now to the manifestation of, to one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. To another, a message of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So there is power that the Holy Spirit gives us for the affecting of ministry that we absolutely can receive. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us. He gives us the different manifestations of the Spirit. And have you not experienced that? Have you, as a believer, as you've been out doing the work of ministry, not experienced one of these gifts of the Spirit? Sure you have. God gives you a message of wisdom, a word of knowledge. God speaks through you as you pray and someone is healed. All of those things are the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it alone. Very, very important. Effective ministry is accomplished through the power of of the Spirit. So, the fourth why is that God wants to lead you throughout your life. God wants to lead you throughout your life. As His child, He has a plan for you. It's a plan for good and for a future and a hope. But it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now, sometimes people think when you start to talk like this, you're getting a little bit uh, crazy, a little bit out there. But I absolutely believe that God speaks to me every day. I do. I hear Him speaking to me through His Word, in prayer, as others are communicating to me. Occasionally, there have been moments in my life, not every day, but moments in my life where I have absolutely known that God has spoken to me specific words. God wants to lead us. He doesn't just save us and then send us on our way. He, he saves us because he has a plan for us, a purpose for us. We are his children. He wants to lead us to make our lives fruitful for the kingdom of God. Jesus said to the churches in the Revelation, he says, to him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Jesus asserts that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. But sometimes we don't have an ear to hear. We're, we're like the Hebrews. The writer to Hebrews said that you've become dull of hearing. You don't have an anticipation that God is going to speak to you. And if God is speaking to you, your ears have become so dull, you don't perceive it. You're reading through this book and you're saying, man, this thing is just not speaking to me. Well, whose fault is that? It's not God's. Because God wants to lead you. 
by His Spirit. The Spirit that indwells you. The Spirit that that hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation and indwells you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. God has a plan for you. He wants to lead you by His Spirit. It's not weird. It's the ordinary Christian life. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, let's just do a quick review. The whys of growing in the Spirit. You are a spiritual being. You've been born again of the Spirit. There is a battle that exists between the Spirit and the flesh, and thus you must feed the Spirit in order to prevail in that battle. Effective ministry is only accomplished by the power of the Spirit in our lives. And God wants to lead you in your path with Him. But finally, God wants to change us. God wants to make us into something beautiful. He wants to ultimately conform us into the very image of Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, we're just jars of clay filled with an impressive, impressive Holy Spirit. But that Holy Spirit in us, whenever the Holy Spirit is given sway, given authority, allowed to flourish in our lives. Listen to what happens. This is in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Just as Paul told the Galatians, it is for freedom that you have been set free. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So I want to read that again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is the Spirit of the Lord? In us. There is freedom. No matter what you're going through, no matter the disappointments, no matter the struggles, no matter the challenges, when the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. There is a peace because we know He is with us and He is at work in us. And so there is this freedom and we with unveiled faces contemplating the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the fifth reason that of the why we must grow in the Spirit, it is through the Spirit that we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It is through the Spirit that these jars of clay become beautiful, beautiful pieces of pottery. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And we are His workmanship, created for good works in Christ, that He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
We are his workmanship. We are his poema. That's the word there. We are his masterpiece. And the Holy Spirit in us is ever vigilant to be fashioning us from a jar of clay into a masterpiece prepared perfectly for the presence of God. That's what's happening in your life today. It's what happened yesterday and it's what will happen tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is transforming you. And you say, Greg, have you been around me? There's not much going on. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. God is at work in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So why must we grow in the spirit? I've given you five reasons. There's a lot more. But ultimately, ultimately, it's because it is the spirit who is at work in us to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. So remember those. There is good reason to be growing in the Spirit. He is present within us. He is present here this morning around us. And He will come upon us. The, the life of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in order to do the will of God. That's the why. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit that has in an incredible way come into us, surrounded us, and empowered us to do your will. And Lord, that we would be your workmanship is, well, it's just humbling beyond measure. So continue the work that you have begun in us. I know the word says that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, keep your word in each and every soul present here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.